I'm, I'm really speaking about all of humanity, you know, without exception of anybody, you know. And I, I know that um, a lot of the content in the songs is very heavy, you know, but uh, see, fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. And I've just retired from the fantasy part because I realized that. Uh, And oppression put a strain on the people. I speak what I know. Words are reserved for the truth. Not perfect, but aware of the example I set for the youth. And I sing because I care and wouldn't want none of these sons and daughters to go astray when I could have paved the way. Of all these expenses borne by the people Relegated to zinc fences Keeping the resources out of their reach Breeding frustration in the values you teach In the media every day Then deny them a way to attain it But force them to work and maintain it And not take their share Then police force the fear into the brains of the people I know from experience The system is flawed and unfair so I live outside it as much as I possibly dare And I sing for justice in a time when the people may be too distracted to even care My voice may still be
Watch the lights flashing bright in the flashing, night sky flashing, Is it a bird? Flashing. Is it a plane? No, it's an unidentified flying vehicle cross your sight Range, I know it's slight, strange but undeniable Associated pressing them boys is unreliable They like to say tsunamis and floods are caused by natural Hop know the truth and exactly who they be lying to They got their eye on you, gave us an IOU Took 40 acres, kept us quiet with a job or two You want my contact information, I will I am you You knew my style was so sick, why ain't you cut a piece of ginger? I be like, why cleffin'? I be gone to November Got a friend who live in India on the banks of the Ganges We be meditating with them shamans from the Andes My vision go on quest to find the real behind the mask Grab the phoenix from the ash, get the gold before the cash dash I'm on the next flight to Fiji with that black sand When nappy hair and melanin don't qualify as black now how that sound? Or did you even hear it? You too busy taking Facebook pics to even feel it. This the realest you gon' hear it on the airways. Catch me rockin' beats and lyrics with the dopest DJ. I'm like Rihanna, baby, steady, find me on the replay. We say, why you be so extra? Ain't no wrong with lookin', actin', talkin' like the next one. Well, I'm gon' climb the tree of life so I can be like I'm in. Why you run to the club and shake your ass a little wheezy rhyming? I'm primin' like Meridians, Julian, just like Obsidian. Blacker than the Juvidians, call me the global citizen. Y'all know it's almost over. Ain't gon' come with saving in return. To Jehovah, cause Hova's name is Jay and he used to be Mr. Carter. And Carter on the border control the supply of water. Water, 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 So, on my quest to learn as much about myself as possible, I found out some very awesome things. I start the self lord and master. I start the self lord and master. I start the self lord and master. I start the self self. What you don't know can surely get you got You think that cause you graduated from the latest HBCU that you know a lot Stop it, you don't overstand my process I got my formal education from the Akashic Records don't do me justice, I busted off the top then When I am covering, they like to call me Moroccan Yes, I represent the crescent The stars shine the light in the show, me the lessons That's when I start the self lord and mastering Levitate and let it be revealed instead of asking Laughing, they ain't gonna get me with the vaccine I got gold and silver Elderberry for the swine team Wanna chip me up like a Manchurian But I'm back to the future in my silver DeLorean Got my universal passport If they talking martial law that I'ma have to teleport Houston, we might have an issue I bust sound barriers like sneeze do a tissue Don't let them get you
joyful exaltation to those who liberate themselves. Joyous, joyful exaltations and greetings to those who liberate themselves. Welcome to Women Wednesday. I'm your host, Maria Matane. Blessings, greetings, and love to all within the listening ear. Tonight's theme is deciphering discipline. Deciphering discipline. We're going to start off in the praise up as there is nothing new under the sun that the Most High has not already addressed. Starting off in Hebrews 12:11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Proverbs 12:1. Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Proverbs 13.24 He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. 1 Corinthians 9.27 But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Hebrews 12:5-6. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son, whom he receiveth. Revelations 3.19 As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And Titus 1.8 Be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Proverbs 20.13 Love not sleep, Lest thou come to poverty, open thine eyes, and thy shalt be satisfied with bread. Proverbs 6.23 For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs 29.17 Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest, yea, and he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs 22.15 Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight: He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Deuteronomy 4.36 Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee, and upon the earth he showed thee his great fire, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. <laughs> 
1 Corinthians 9.24 Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Philippians 3.12 Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Tonight's theme is deciphering discipline. We got to decode, demystify, quantify, and overstand the why and the way of discipline. We're going to take a music moment. Blessings and grace. Okay. 
Blessings and grace, and I'm back with tonight's theme, deciphering discipline. Now, what is discipline, self-discipline? It appears in various forms, such as perseverance, restraint, endurance, thinking before acting, finishing what you start doing, and as the ability to carry out one's decisions and plans in spite of inconvenience, hardships, or obstacles. Self-discipline also means self-control, the ability to avoid unhealthy excess of anything that could lead to negative consequences. One of the main characteristics of self-discipline is the ability to forego instant and immediate gratification and pleasure in favor for some greater gain or more satisfying result, even if this requires effort and time. The term self-discipline often causes some discomfort and resistance. But due to the erroneous notion that something is unpleasant, difficult to attain, and which requires a lot of effort and sacrifice, actually exercising and attaining self-discipline can be fun. It does not require strenuous efforts, and the benefits are great. True self-discipline is not punitive or restrictive lifestyle that some people think and it has nothing to do with being narrow-minded. It is the expression of inner strength and staying power, vital for dealing with the affairs of daily life and for achieving goals. Self-discipline together with willpower can help you overcome laziness, procrastination, and indecisiveness. These skills make it possible to take action and persevere with it, even if the action is unpleasant and requires effort. Self-discipline enables you to exercise moderation in what you do. Become more patient, tolerant, understanding, and considerate. In addition, it helps you withstand external pressure and influence. Self-disciplined person is more punctual. They invest more time and effort in what he or she does. A self-disciplined person is more likely to take control of his or her life, set goals, and take the concrete steps to achieve them. Self-discipline begins with the mastery of your thoughts. If you don't control what you think, you can't control what you do. Simply self-discipline enables you to think first and act afterward. Discipline really means our ability to get ourselves to do things when we don't want to. 
Self-discipline is a form of freedom, freedom from laziness and, and, and lethargy, freedom from the expectations and demands of others, freedom from weakness and fear and doubt. Self-discipline allows you to feel your individuality and your inner strength, your talent. You are a master rather than slave to your thoughts and emotions when you have self-discipline. So you have to build up a strong willpower. When there's a will, there's a way. Because destiny is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. It's not a thing to be waited for. It is a thing to be achieved. And see, there are a lot of things and distractions and upheavals that are happening around us. And so we have to be staying grounded within us, within ourselves. And we have to have actionable ideas and do so in a disciplined manner so that they may be fruitful. And some of these actionable ideas are like getting clear about what it is you want to accomplish. Really get clear about that. Evaluate why you want to go and accomplish this goal. Eliminate the distractions. Prioritize your highest value tasks and activities and track your progress. You have to use that pen and paper, get a notebook, a journal, when you are tracking your progress on what it is that you're doing, there are deadlines, there are time frames. The moment is of the essence right now. And keep yourself accountable. You have to keep yourself accountable. Self-discipline needs fuel. And that fuel typically comes in the form of either inspiration or motivation. And if what's happening in the news and in the world around us it's not motivation to get disciplined and get right so that we can be secure. I don't know what is. So it's why do I want? It's what do I want? Why do I want? And why specifically do I need to follow through and get this done? See, once you're clear on what it is you want and why you want it and what specifically you need to do to follow through, to get those things done, the more compelling reasons you're able to identify, the more fuel you'll have for driving yourself forward, your self-discipline forward. You know, self-discipline requires unwavering commitment and accountability. Now, long-term commitment takes discipline, and typically it's something most people are not good at doing by themselves. And what they're, fundamentally, what they're fundamentally lacking is a little bit of accountability. You know, there are friends of mine, and we've actually said on several occasions for different things that we wanted to do, hey, let's be accountability buddies on this. Like, check on me. Ask me about this. It is not about nagging me. It's about, like, you know, it's more than just me. Some people need that outside influence. Others have a more stronger inner directed self. It depends on the stage that you're at in your life and how crowded you feel. 
overstand. So it needs a it needs accountability. And it requires that we either hold ourselves accountable or we have someone else hold us accountable for our action. Either method works. You know, either method. And it comes down to your personal standards. When you lack self-discipline in any area of your life, it's primarily because you're not holding yourself accountable for keeping a particular set of standards. The personal standards you uphold to keep is to keep you on track towards your goal. They're kind of like unspoken rules that guide your choices, decisions, behaviors, and actions throughout the day. What personal standards will you uphold? What behaviors and choices will you accept? What behaviors and choices will you not accept? And how will you correct yourself when things get off track? See, we have to have forward thinking, proactive thinking, present thinking, just thinking. So all this boils down to regulating and correcting your own behavior whenever you get off track. And sometimes you may have to create a competitive environment that drives you forward to your goals. It doesn't mean that you need to like compete against other people. I mean, you can. You can put yourself in the frame of mind where you're trying to outwork or outperform others. That's one way. But there's another way. And that's to compete against your best self. Competing against your best self. I did this before. I could do this in a short amount of time. I could be more thorough. I can, you know, measuring your current results against past performances can be a useful method in helping you stay focused, motivated, and disciplined. It could be the one key ingredient that continues to fuel your self-discipline when things go off plan. So, you know, you want to define what it is you want. Self-discipline can only endure if it's channeled towards something specific. So you want to define it. What is it that you want to be, have, or achieve? What new habit would you like to develop? What behavior would you like to change? What is the one thing that you want to focus on in this moment in time? And then you need to describe the changes required. Now that you have some clarity about what it is you want, it's time to describe what kind of habits and behaviors will help you attain this desired outcome. In other words, what kind of person might you need to become to achieve your goal? Every goal we set brings with it a precise set of behaviors and habits that are intrinsically intertwined with the goal we want to achieve. So gaining some clarity in this area will help you figure out what it will take to achieve your desired outcome. So with that in mind, think about your goal and ask yourself, what specific behaviors will I need to cultivate to achieve this goal? And what specific habits will I need to adopt to achieve this goal? And while answering these questions, it's important to also keep in mind your core values. The behaviors you cultivate and the habits you adopt must reflect your core values. And the journey toward goal achievement almost always 
changes people in unexpected ways. As we pursue a goal, we learn and grow along the journey. And so this helps transform how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we interact with the world around us. You will need to change and adapt in some respects to have the goal that you want in your life. You need to become the person that deserves to have this goal in his or her life. So what person will I need to become to achieve this? What qualities do I need to adopt? And how will I need to think about myself, my life, and my goal? So answering those kind of questions is crucial in self-discipline. As self-discipline grows from the level of certainty you have about something. When you have more certainty about something, it's just easier to muster up the self-discipline. However, when certainty is lacking, then it becomes easier to become sidetracked and distracted along the way. And then at this time, when you're pondering all these things, you want to look outside yourself if you can't find all the answers within. Because sometimes we need physical touchstones to go back inside and let that information marinate, and then the Most High will reveal more within. So at this point, identify certain role models, friends, families, colleagues, who have already achieved the goal you're working toward. So who's doing this right now and who's doing it right <laughs> now, okay? Because there are folks out here doing things wrong right now, but who's doing it right right now? And who has successfully achieved this goal and who has successfully mastered this habit and who has successfully made this change? Who has the necessary self-discipline in this area and what can I learn from this person? that can help me along my journey. And then be so bold as to take time to ask these people how they discipline themselves. Ask them how they follow through with specific actions that got them their desired outcome. Then use their experience to help you discipline yourself along your own personal journey. And so by now you should know or have an obvious idea of what it will take to achieve your desired outcome. And so with clarity comes more certainty, and with more certainty, it becomes easier to muster up the self-discipline needed to get the job done. But with all journeys, you will inevitably confront numerous challenges, adversity, and obstacles that will test your discipline and resolve. So you wanna ask yourself, given my goal, what obstacles could stand in my way? And what specific things could sidetrack me along my journey? Again, the proactive thinking. The fewer compelling reasons we have for achieving something, the more likely we are to get sidetracked. So to avoid getting sidetracked, you must take the time to write down why you want to achieve your desired outcome. Why specifically do you want to achieve this goal? Why specifically do you want to develop this habit? 
Why is it of primary, vital importance for me right now? And what are the potential rewards I will gain from doing this? And why do I really want this in my life? The more compelling reasons you have for desiring and accomplishing your desired outcome, the easier it will be for you to discipline yourself along the way. And now it's time to build a practical plan of action to help you accomplish your goal, or as my mother would say, plan your work and then work your plan. An effective plan of action is comprised of a deadline for accomplishing your goal. It must also be built on the foundation of many milestones that break your goal down into manageable chunks. Those many milestones will ensure that you're working towards your desired outcome in small pieces and time blocks. And this kind of tactic puts you in the driver's seat. It gives you a sense of control over the tasks and projects you're working on. So what you're ultimately trying to do is to avoid becoming and succumbing to being overwhelmed. Overwhelm can quickly digress into procrastination, and procrastination can subsequently lead to stagnation. And where there is stagnation, self-discipline cannot exist. So given this, it is paramount that you take progressive steps towards your goal to maintain control at all times. So having clear deadlines in place is essential. A clear deadline will help you discipline yourself as it focuses your mind on a specific end date for the accomplishment of the goal. With the end date in mind, all your resources and energies are channeled appropriately to help you maintain the necessary momentum you need to follow through with your actions. And deadlines provide you with a sense of urgency, which will help you stay focused and disciplined on the task at hand. And the final step of this process comes down to accountability. You must not only hold yourself accountable for your daily choices and decisions, but you must also have someone else hold you accountable for your actions and results. You could, you could have a support team that helps you stay focused and on track or just one person. The team could be your mother and your aunt, your friend and your cousin, your husband, your oldest child. Having another voice encouraging and motivating you will help you to persist and persevere for longer. For longer. So self-discipline is one of the most important and useful skills everyone should possess. This skill is essential in every area of life, and though most people acknowledge its, its importance, very few do something to strengthen it. And so self-discipline does not mean being harsh towards yourself or living a limited, restrictive lifestyle. Self-discipline means self-control, which is a sign of inner strength and control of yourself, your actions, and your reactions. Self-discipline gives you the power to stick to your decisions and follow them through without changing your mind and is therefore one of the most important requirements for achieving goals.
The possession of this skill enables you to persevere with your decisions and plans until you accomplish them. It also manifests as inner strength, helping you to overcome addictions, procrastination, laziness, and to follow through whatever you do. And self-discipline, like a muscle, can be developed. If we were raised in a disciplined environment, we may find it easier to be self-disciplined, but we can all develop more. So don't wait until you feel like it. Choosing to do something or not, based on whether it feels comfortable or pleasurable or not, is a disaster. If I wanted to feel like it before exercising or working or making that tricky phone call, you can't have a wishbone where your backbone should be. And ignore the naysayers. Other people can exert an immensely negative effect if we let them. If we let them. Don't let them. Don't let their words or even negative facial expressions deter you. Seek the advice of experts by all means and learn from the best. But never accept negativity from people who haven't themselves achieved what it is you are set upon achieving. If people say what you planned is not possible or they look down on your efforts, use that as fire to your energy and strength. Proving others wrong is a greatly underrated pleasure. And you have to cultivate a self-disciplined mindset. Self-discipline is essentially a state of mind. However, to achieve the state of mind and practice self-discipline requires the cultivation of certain qualities. For example, diligence, patience, passion, excitement, enthusiasm, tenacity, courage, and optimism are all key attributes that help support the self-disciplined mind. It's not only about the qualities you cultivate, but it's also about the actions you take. A self-disciplined mind is committed to taking consistent action over an extended period of time. A self-disciplined mind is willing to take necessary risks to get a job done. A self-disciplined mind never takes a back seat, but instead always keeps moving forward. They're willing to do whatever is necessary to see the goal through to the end. A self-disciplined mind thrives in a light-hearted environment where things are pleasurable and fun. And it's essential to find ways to enjoy the process, to enjoy each task you perform, and to enjoy each activity you partake in. So with this in mind, you want to ask yourself, why and what do I enjoy about this process? What's exciting about this? In what ways does this benefit me? How can I make this task or activity more enjoyable? How can I make this more fun and exciting? The more ways you find to enjoy yourself, the easier it will be to practice disciplining yourself throughout the day. And you need to visualize your desired outcomes. One of the most effective methods for keeping yourself focused and motivated is to spend time visualizing your desired outcomes and goals. Regular periods of visualization can help 
provide you with greater clarity about your goals and about the actions you need to take to achieve them. This clarity of mind is likely to provide you with more certainty and self-assurance moving forward. And you want to create a supportive environment for yourself. Because you can have the right state of mind, but if your environment doesn't support the state, then friction will exist. And you will subsequently struggle to find the self-discipline needed to achieve your goal. So it's entirely crucial that your work environment fully supports your goal. It must support the habits and the consistent actions you take to help you accomplish your goal. So what habits and rituals are required to help you achieve the goal? What consistent actions do you need to take to achieve the goal? And how well does your environment support these habits and actions? And what changes? What changes do you need to make to build a more supportive environment? In the end, your work environment must support the new habits you're building and the consistent actions you're taking. And at the same time, it must keep you focused, inspired, and committed over the long haul. So you want to prioritize those tasks and activities. A self-disciplined mind always works with structure. In fact, the more structure, the better, because the fewer decisions you ultimately need to make, with the fewer choices, you are less likely to get sidetracked with irrelevant tasks and activities. And a self-disciplined mind thrives when it recognizes the progress it's making toward a goal. It's essential to build a process that can help you track the progress you're making using a calendar or a journal. When you track your results and can effectively measure the progress you're making, this will instantly help keep you motivated and focused on the task at hand. Even in situations where you're failing to reach the milestones you've set for yourself, tracking your progress can help you make the necessary adjustments to stay on track. So when it comes to tracking your progress, it's necessary to monitor your results along with the temptations that end up sabotaging your progress. So once identified, make the required adjustments to avoid those temptations altogether. And at the beginning of any journey, it's easy to assume that everything will go smoothly. There's all this excitement, anticipation, enthusiasm, and energy that motivates us to push forward. However, it soon dissipates when all of a sudden we face our first big hurdle. What seemed like a sure thing is now clouded in uncertainty. And no longer are we enthusiastic, but rather a little confused, frustrated, overwhelmed, and even fearful sometimes of what the outcome might be. So during such times of adversity, we need to dig even deeper to find the self-discipline required to keep moving forward. Make no excuses or complaints. When dealing with setbacks and adversity, you must throw all your excuses and complaints out the door. Making excuses or complaining about your predicament rarely if ever helps the situation. Most times it makes things worse. Bad stuff will always happen when you least expect it. When you least expect it, things might be a little different than you imagine. 
You just need to shift in perspective. Jumping too quick to conclusions and letting your imagination run wild will only sabotage your efforts. Instead, use your imagination constructively to refocus your efforts on what you need to do to get the job done. If you don't take control of your imagination, then you will very well fall fall prey to anger and frustration. And once in that state of mind, it's easy to indulge in excuses and complaints. After all, they immediately make you feel better about yourself. Excuses and complaints. However, they provide you no way to work through the situation. So you must at all times discipline yourself to keep your emotions in check. And when your emotions are in check, you can refocus your mind and your efforts on what needs to get done to help you accomplish your goal. And so you also want to steer clear of that perfectionism. Perfectionism and procrastination go hand in hand. You can't practice self-discipline when you indulge in these two self-sabotaging forces, perfectionism and procrastination. It's easy to procrastinate when facing adversity. Things aren't going well, and out of fear, you decide to take a back seat to wait things out. A temporary reprieve might be helpful. However, the longer you, the longer you indulge in, in the procrastination cycle, the deeper you sink into stagnation so you must instead refocus your efforts on what matters most self-discipline can then become the grounding force that anchors you to your goal always ask yourself what's most important right now right now what's most important and what should I focus on that can help me move forward in this moment So you focus on the small tasks that are within your control that help you move forward in a big way. Then progressively discipline yourself to upgrade these tasks as you start building momentum. So when it comes to perfectionism, this is where things get a little tricky. And it's sometimes it's tricky and somewhat deceiving because we often fool ourselves into believing that we are actually making progress. When we indulge in perfectionism, we are actually not making much progress at all. Perfectionism is a kind of defense mechanism we use to avoid dealing with what actually needs to get done. When perfectionism strikes, we instead focus our efforts on the trivial tasks that give us some semblance of control in the face of adversity. The major problem with perfectionism is that we often fool ourselves into believing that we are actually exercising self-discipline. So for the most part, this may be true. However, our self-discipline is being directed onto the wrong things, the things that get you nowhere fast. So to break out of the perfectionist trap, it's essential to get some needed clarity and ask yourself, Is what I'm focusing on really that important? Is this task necessary for the attainment of my goal? And is there something more important that I should be focusing on? And what should I focus on that can help me move forward in a better way? 
The key here is to redirect your self-discipline into something that matters. At the same time, make sure that it's something that you have some semblance of control over, something that can help build the momentum you need to get through the tough times. Simplify, simplify, and then simplify even more. When facing adversity, it's easy to get angry, frustrated, overwhelmed, while in this mind state of these debilitating emotions, it can be challenging to discipline ourselves. It's difficult because it just feels as though things are hurling out of control. In such instances, the solution is to progressively take back control one step at a time. And to do this, you will need to simplify. While facing adversity, discipline yourself to begin simplifying everything. Simplify your actions, streamline the habits you're building, simplify the steps you're taking to overcome a problem. By simplifying things as much as possible, you progressively start taking back control over your life, projects, and tasks. Only in this way can you begin once again building the momentum you need to achieve your goal. So dealing with adversity is never, never fun. And so you have to stop taking things so seriously that you would actually see adversity in a very different light. Like right now, my neighbor is making all this noise. <laughs> and I'm talking about, you know, adversity. And I'm trying to do a podcast here. And this humming noise keeps coming in and out. But I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it. It's just par for the course. Those that are with me and are listening are going to still hear what I'm putting forth and take it as, you know, take it as a, as a, as a slice of life. So anytime adversity comes around, it's essential that it becomes to us a game we play with ourselves rather than a frightening obstacle. It just becomes significantly easier to discipline yourself with this perspective in mind. You know, you can't let things bring you down. It's, it's, it's all part of the journey. It makes you stronger. Your skin gets a little thicker, but you just want to keep it soft, overstand. And so what is the value in this experience? That's what you ask yourself as the bad times are happening, as the obstacles are happening. What's the value in this experience? And what are the lessons here I must learn? My lesson right now is to just keep talking, keep doing what I do. Eventually my neighbor will stop, and that'll be that. And how can I make this experience more enjoyable and more fun? What can you do to stay relaxed and in the moment so that you can follow through on the course at hand? So self-discipline isn't really that difficult to nurture. All you need is a little inspiration to kick in. With inspiration, self-discipline becomes somewhat of an afterthought because when we are feeling inspired, that surge of energy naturally drives us forward. When we're feeling inspired, we are more committed to the task at hand. Without inspiration, our commitment levels tend to waver and it makes it more challenging to exercise self-discipline. It's critical that you keep your commitment alive by looking for inspiration in everything you do. 
You can gather inspiration from books, from people, quotes, movies, current events, magazines, a vision board, journaling, your learning experiences. You can even find inspiration through stories of how other people achieve their goals. In the end, inspiration without action leads to nothing. So you must use the inspiration as a platform to help take you on a massive and proactive, momentous movement in the direction of your objectives. Only in this way will your self-discipline grow and thrive as you strive to achieve your goals. So you have to have self-knowledge. Discipline means behaving according to what you have decided is best, regardless of how you feel in the moment. So the first trait is self-knowledge. Know thyself. You need to decide what behavior best reflects your goals and values. And this requires introspection and self-analysis. And it's very effective when it's tied to written expression. So I highly recommend taking the time to write out your goals, dreams, and ambitions. Even better, write out a personal mission statement. And conscious awareness. Self-discipline depends upon conscious awareness as to both what you are doing and what you are not doing. Think about it. If you aren't aware of your behavior, that's being undisciplined. And so how will you know to act otherwise? As you begin to build self-discipline, you may catch yourself being in the act of being undisciplined. Developing self-discipline takes time, and the key here is you are aware of your undisciplined behavior. With time, this awareness will come earlier, meaning you'll catch yourself in the act of being undisciplined, and you will have awareness before you act in this way. So this gives you the opportunity to make a decision that's in better alignment with your goals and values. And have a commitment to self-discipline. It's not simply enough just to write out your goals and values, but you must make an internal commitment to them. Otherwise, when your alarm clock goes off at 5 a.m., you will see no harm in hitting the snooze button. If you struggle with commitment, start by making a conscious decision to follow through on what you say you're going to do, both when you said you would do it and how you said you would do it. And putting a place, putting in place a system to track these com these um these different types of commitments. As the saying goes, what gets measured gets improved. What gets measured gets improved. Encourage. Make no mistake, self-discipline is often extremely difficult. Moods, appetites, and passions can be powerful forces to go against. Therefore, self-discipline is highly dependent on courage. Don't pretend something is easy for you to do when it's in fact very difficult or painful. Instead, find the courage to face the pain and difficulty. And as you begin to accumulate small private victories, your self-confidence will grow. And the courage that underpins self-discipline will come more naturally. And coach yourself. 
Self-talk is often harmful, but it can be extremely beneficial if you have control of it. When you find yourself being tested, I suggest you talk to yourself. Encourage yourself and reassure yourself. It's self-talk that has the ability to remind you of your goals, call up your courage, reinforce your commitment, and keep you conscious of the task at hand. The price of discipline is always less than the pain of regret. The price of discipline is always less than the pain of regret. Now, if you're at a crossroads in your life, you can stick to your old habits and patterns, knowing deep down you're not living nearly at the level you're capable of. Or you can use this moment within this podcast as a springboard toward greatness by implementing new levels of self-discipline. Practicing mindfulness and meditation for a few minutes each day can actually boost your willpower by building up gray matter in areas of the brain that regulate emotions and govern decision-making. Consciously aware and mindful. Those are powerful things. And once you unleash that, that, that inner conquistador, right? You're out to conquer all the things that are holding you back from being with the most high put you here to be. And in order to get there, you're going to need that discipline. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the go and gnosis. Blessings and grace. Sweating on my God. I'm in the game and I just found it. I use don't not lie. I pay the price and I'm feeling I don't own my bus. If they announce it in the news, you don't know my number. So please, please, now. Force it in the arena. All black faces, they go figure who we are. Underground railroad trials and troubles, do we gon' build these pyramids right up in front of you? Wanting gaming, paving way for passion and painting. I just want my soul, you just entertainment. So I enter trading for the interchange. I'ma sell you hope, you go enter trading. High pretty blind CD side PD with the flashing lights you check. Add some zeros to the check. Cause I'm bleeding bloody rhythms on this beat right here. Bloody blurry baby visions on this beat right here. Reputations are impossible. Truth is like a gospel, but I'm hardly Pentecostal on this beat right here. Black vocals, black t-shirt, dark scenes in the choker. Hardly do flash, but I'ma flash my vocals. Hardly do magic by that black go kosher. I'ma pray for this beat before I kill them culture. Vouchers. I'm not going to fall, it's not pity Play me small, it's not pity Lose my soul, it's not pity Be scared no more, it's not pity We've been here all day, I said yes all day I ain't gonna waste my time standing here all day You know we here okay, rhymes to the east Rhymes to the east
times beast motherfucker Timber from the east with the beast in a trucker Timber crew as I cushion all the loyalty Build a big wall when you store all of the royalties Trash is what you know you don't know The level of the brain that you told you can't go The level of insane that you told you can't show The level of insane that they sure did I know Four million spans ago I wish man Told me of the limits he thinks that I am I've moved mountains no did I can I've healed souls I know that I am I bleed blood blood but I breathe bad blood but I bring bad blood but I bring black back blessed but I breathe through my chest blessed and before I forget black vocals black t-shirt dark jeans and a choker Holly do flash but I'ma flash my vocals Holly do magic but that black girl kosher I'ma pray for these beat before I kill them culture Vouchers I'm not going to Foul is not pity Play me small is not pity Lose my soul is not pity Be scared no more is not pity We've been here all day I said yes all day I ain't gonna waste my time Standing here all day Waste my time all day I'm not going to Foul is not pity Play me small is not pity Lose my soul is not pity
blessings and grace, and I'm back with the Go and Gnosis, your news infused with consciousness. So on the Global Mail, cannabis will be legal on October 17th in Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has picked October 17th as the day on which all adult Canadians will have legal access to cannabis for recreational use. Mr. Trudeau said that Ontario, Quebec, and British Columbia have asked for more time, with the federal government now giving them 17 weeks to get ready. There will be an election in, in, um, in Quebec on October 1st, which, which helps explain why the provincial government sought more time. The government had initially aimed to legalize cannabis by July 1st, but the, but the Bill C-45 was not adopted in time by Parliament. Originally, the government had planned for only two to three-month gap between the bill passing and legalization. Mr. Trudeau made the announcement in the House of Commons on Wednesday, the day after the bill passed its final vote in Parliament. When asked if the government is considering amnesty or pardons for people who have criminal records for marijuana crimes, Ms. Wilson-Raybould said the issue was under consideration by the Public Safety Minister, Ralph Goodall. In a historic vote on Tuesday, Parliament changed Canadian law to lift the 95-year-old prohibition on cannabis and free millions of adults to openly smoke, ingest, or grow the drug without fear of criminal record. The next steps will include releasing the regulations for the cannabis trade, including approving edible products within a year, and working with indigenous communities to smooth out negative consequences of the transition to legal cannabis. In addition, the government will start to look for a way to clear the criminal records of hundreds of thousands of Canadians who were convicted of simple possession under prohibition. All producers of cannabis will have to be licensed by Health Canada, while provinces will oversee the distribution of the dried cannabis and oils to the retail market. Canadian adults, the minimum age varies by province, will be able to carry up to 30 grams with stiff new penalties for, for providing the drug to minors. Revenues from the legal market are expected to be used, at least initially, to cover the costs related to, to policing, enforcement, setting up public distribution networks, and creating public awareness campaigns. Cannabis will be subject to an excise tax of $1 a gram, or 10 cents, 10% on sales of more than $10, with Ottawa keeping 25% and the rest going to provinces and municipalities. So on October 17th, cannabis will be legal in Canada. And moving forward, on staybrokenews.com, staybrokenews Venezuela tells World Court that they won't take part in Guyana's application over the border controversy. Venezuela told the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, that it will not take part in a proceeding brought by Guyana for judicial settlement of a long-running border controversy. In a communique today, the Venezuelan Foreign Ministry said that a high-level de delegation headed by Executive Vice President Declay Rodriguez Gomez today delivered a letter to the court signed by President Nicolas Maduro Moros notifying of the sovereign decision of Venezuela of not taking part in the action that has been unilaterally filed by a neighboring country without Venezuela's consent. 
Venezuela said in its decision today it's consistent with the historical position of not recognizing the jurisdiction of such an international body, and particularly as it relates to the border controversy. Venezuela, in a communique today, renewed its offer to Guyana for, for continuing bilateral talks with broadest and most sincere and best willingness to reach a settlement which may be practical and satisfactory for both parties, as intended by the 1966 Geneva Convention. Guyana has already rejected this. All eyes will now be on the court following Venezuela's decision. The ICJ had invited Caracas and Georgetown to The Hague today for their views on the way forward following Guyana's application to the court. On March 29th, Guyana filed an application with the ICJ requesting that it confirm the legal validity and binding effect of the 1899 arbitral award on the boundary between Guyana and Venezuela. The application followed the decision by the UN Secretary and chose the ICJ as the next means of resolving the controversy following Venezuela's contention that, that, that the arbitral award of, 19, of 1899 was null and void. Venezuela has only altered its position formally in 1962, so Guyana's application also notes that while Venezuela has never produced any evidence to substantiate its belated repudiation of the 1899 award, it has used it as an excuse to occupy a territory awarded to Guyana in 1899 to inhibit Guyana's economic development and to violate Guyana's sovereignty and sovereign rights. It further asserted that the UN Secretary General's authority to choose the ICJ based in The Hague as a means of resolving controversy and is based on the Geneva Agreement of 1966, which was negotiated just before Guyana gained independence. On January 30, 2018, Guterres concluded that the good offices process which the two countries had engaged in for almost 30 years had failed to achieve a solution to the controversy and therefore chose the ICJ as the next means of settlement. So here they found out this is how we have to go to court to get our rights in Guyana so that this border dispute can be handled. And Venezuela said, oh, we're not going to take part in this court situation. <laughs> you know, they're going to trump it out. We're going to, we'll still be at the negotiation table, but we're not going to court with you. So blessings to Guyana and to the territory that Venezuela is trying to take over. And blessings to the Guyanese that they get their land back and that all is resolved. And that Venezuela is made to answer to everything that they've already adhered to, to begin with. And on independent.co.uk, the European Union hits back at Donald Trump with billions in tariffs on bourbon, whiskey, jeans, and motorcycles. The European Union will hit back at Donald Trump by imposing 25% import tariffs on a range of, of American products starting on Friday, Brussels has confirmed. The EU says the initial $2.8 billion in charges are, are a response to the U.S. decision to impose tariffs on European steel and aluminum imports. The move risks escalating a nascent trade war between the U.S. and the rest of the world, with Mr. Trump ramping up protectionism in other countries hitting back. 
We do not want to be in this position. However, the unilaterally and unjustified decision of the U.S. to impose steel and aluminum tariffs on the EU means that we are left with no other choice, Trade Commissioner Malmstrom said on Wednesday. The rules of international trade, which we have developed over the years hand-in-hand -hand with our American partners, cannot be violated without a reaction from our side. Our response is measured, proportionate, and fully in line with World Trade Organization rules. Needless to say, if the U.S. removes its tariffs, our measures will also be removed. The bloc says it has another $3.6 in U.S. products lined up for further tariffs if the WTO trade court, where it has lodged a dispute, finds in its favor. The combined tariffs will be leveled on, a, on diverse products such as bourbon whiskey, cranberry juice, motorcycles, and denim trousers, as well as American metal exports. Mr. Trump hit the EU, Canadian, and Mexican metal producers with tariffs of 25% on steel and 10% on aluminum at the start of June after a protracted battle over trade. The U.S. president says that the EU treats America very unfairly. He has also said that he believes trade wars are good and easy to win. The EU's retaliatory tariffs are only taking effect now because under the WTO rules, the bloc had to wait to impose them. Relations between the U.S. and the rest of the world sank further last week at a G7 summit in Canada after Mr. Trump refused to endorse a joint communique by the leaders present. And so on deadstate.org, China calls on the world to retaliate against fickle Trump's outdated and regressive behavior. In a highly critical and inflammatory statement issued this Friday, Chinese Ministry of Commerce called on other countries to take joint actions against the United States in response to President Trump's move on tariffs. The statement slammed Trump as fickle, as a fickle president who was provoking a trade war with his huge tariffs against China. This move not only damaging bilateral interests, but also undermining the world trade order, the statement said. China firmly opposes this. The ministry also vowed to enact taxation on U.S. goods. We will immediately introduce taxation measures of the same scale and strength, the statement said. The statement added that all economic trade achievements previously reached by the two parties will no longer be valid at this time. The move from China comes after Trump announced Friday morning that the U.S. will impose 25% tariffs on $50 billion worth of Chinese goods. My great friendship with President Xi of China and our country's relationship with China are both very important to me, Trump said. Trade between our nations, however, has been very unfair for a very long time. This situation is no longer sustainable. Trump also warned that the U.S. would ramp up its tariffs if China retaliated. But China didn't back down, saying that it had no choice but to respond strongly. We call on all countries to take joint actions, resolutely put an end to this outdated and regressive behavior, and firmly defend our common interests of humankind. That is what China has sent out to the world regarding the United States and the United States President Donald Trump. He's calling for retaliation against him. On DutchNews.nl, the Dutch are to close four more prisons 
as crime rate continues to fall. That is a wonderful thing. The cabinet is considering closing a further four prisons because of falling prisoner numbers. The AD said on Wednesday, sources told the paper prisons and Zotemir, Zeiss, Almir, and Zwag in North Holland are set to be shut down by Justice Minister Sander Decker in the first major cut since 2013 when 19 jails were earmarked for closure. I would love to hear those kind of words here in America. 19 jails earmarked for closure and four more jails being closed this week. That would be wonderful news. In 2013, the closures led to a storm of protests from prison workers and the government began importing prisoners from Belgium and Norway to fill the gap and keep some prisons open. The previous government decided not to close more prisons because of the impact on employment rates. Mm-mm-mm. The impact on employment rates would they rather keep people in prison. Empty beds. The closure are inevitable because around one-third of the prison beds are now empty. And so National Statistics Office, the CBS, said earlier this year that the crime rate in the Netherlands is now back to the level in 1980 with 49 crimes reported for every 1,000 members of the population. The Justice Ministry has yet to make comments on the claims, but Decker is due to outline his views on the prison service before the summer break. So they are closing four more prisons in the Netherlands with 19 already marked for closure. Blessings and grace for a, a place with less prisons. And on time.com, President Trump signs executive order to keep immigrant families together in a sudden reversal President Trump on Wednesday signed an executive order designed to keep together immigrant families who have been detained at the U.S.-Mexico border while also retaining his administration's so-called zero-tolerance immigration policy. I don't like the sight or the feeling of families being separated, Trump said from the Oval Office. At the same time, we are keeping a very powerful border, but continue to be zero-tolerance. Trump's executive order would keep most families together, under the Department of Homeland Security, except in cases where an adult may pose a threat to a child. You're going to have a lot of happy people, Trump said as he signed the order. While the order could possibly work to quell the furor over the controversial practice of separating families at the border, it marks a reversal for a man who hates to admit defeat and comes just days after arguments from his administration that only lawmakers could put an end to this practice. Congress and the courts created this problem, and Congress alone can fix it. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen said on Monday, Nielsen appeared alongside Trump Wednesday as he signed the order meant to end family separations. Vice President Mike Pence, who also appeared with Trump at the signing, said that the order will enable families to stay together in the immediate future, but added that it was still up to Congress to come up with a permanent solution presumably as part of a larger immigration package. The House is slated to vote Thursday on two immigration bills, one of which appears doomed, while the other has only a moderate prospect of passing. Lawmakers in general are not remotely close to a consensus on what an immigration solution might actually look like. The order is virtually certain to encounter legal challenges. Some advocates will likely argue that the children staying in, staying in detention centers 
violates the 1997 decision known as the Flores Agreement, although executive order mandates that Attorney General Jeff Sessions request a U.S. District Court to modify the agreement, Trump acknowledged he could be headed for a fight. There may be some litigation, he conceded. The separations at the border began early this year when Sessions mandated that all people caught crossing into the U.S. illegally may be referred for criminal prosecution. Under that policy, adults were sent to jail under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security, while children have been held in facilities run by the Office of Refugee Resettlement. Since the policy was implemented, over 2,000 children have been separated, according to government figures. The backlash spurred by images of children crying, audio documenting the separation, and personal accounts from those experiencing it was swift and intense and came from both sides of the aisle prompting former First Lady Laura Bush to call it cruel and immoral. Pope Francis said populist immigration policies were creating psychosis, and Senator John McCain called it an affront to American decency. But until Wednesday, Trump had been vociferously defending his immigration policy. He insisted Tuesday that illegal immigrants were infesting the country and subsequently asserted that the only other option was to release all undocumented immigrants detained at the border. However, Trump insisted Wednesday that his executive order was not a sign of his backing down. The border just the border is just as tough, he told the reporters. They can come in through parts, ports of entry if they want. That's a whole different story. And that's coming in through a process. And the process is what we want. And last but not least, on thinkprogress.org, Trump officially quits the United Nations Human Rights Council. (laughs) This move comes as the world condemns the Trump administration's policy of separating migrant children from their parents. The United Nations announced that it's leaving the UN's Human Rights Commission on Tuesday. The move comes at a time when the the United Nations Human Rights Commission, a 47-member body with rotating terms and refugee agency, have both condemned the president's policy of separating children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexican border before they can even get a chance to apply for refugee status. On Monday, the U.N. rights chief called the Trump administration of splitting migrant families up unconscionable. Unconscionable. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, announced the U.S. departure from the United Nations rights body at the State Department. We have no doubt there was once a noble vision for this council, but we need to be honest. The Human Rights Council is a poor defender of human rights, Pompeo said. For too long, the Human Rights Council has has been a protector of human rights abusers and a cesspool of political bias. Regrettably, it is now clear that our call to reform was not heeded, Haley said. At last year's session, she announced that the United States would consider withdrawing from the council unless some changes were made and spoke about a biased stance against Israel. So they're leaving because of the human rights violations that Israel is doing, and they don't want to talk about that at these meetings. In explaining the decision, both Pompeo and Haley also said that the council repeatedly singled out Israel. Haley has had a contentious relationship with many at the U.N., not only within the Human Rights Council, 
which is investigating U.S. allies Saudi Arabia for its killing civilians in the war in Yemen, but with the General Assembly as well, which Haley has accused of having anti-Israel bias. With the exception of Libya, who was kicked off the U.N. Rights Council, no country has ever left the body, and the United States would be the first to drop out. But through Haley, the United States has demonstrated a strong bond with the Israeli government, such that it sanctions all of its actions, including the killing of hundreds of Palestinians in Gaza in recent months and injuring the thousands of others. So vehement is Haley's objection to any perspective that is sympathetic to the Palestinian view that she actually walked out as the Palestinian envoy spoke before the U.N. Secretary Council in May. She also threatened member states on Twitter who voted for a non-binding resolution asking President Trump to repeal his decision to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem in December. Haley has also objected to the publication of a U.N. database which names countries operating in West Bank settlements, with Israel claiming that it might serve to drive business investments away in light of its human, record, in light of its human rights record there. This represents the United States' latest departure from a major international institution under President Donald Trump, including the Paris Climate Accord and the Iran nuclear deal. So, I mean, look, what do we expect? At the end of the day, this is true to form. It makes sense for the United States to quit the Human Rights Council as, you know, there are human rights issues happening right here in our own country that are not being addressed, such as the proliferation of police across the nation shooting black people and killing them who are unarmed on a regular basis. So now the U.S. will no longer have any type of accountability within the human rights discussion on the world stage as they've chose to leave the building. We're going to take a music moment and come back with technology. Blessings and grace. Truth and rights in our system. In our system, more peace and love for we children, more equal rights for the people. Call it the human rights. We need more truth and right in our system, more peace and love for we children, more equal rights for the people. Call it the human rights. Change, you need a change, we got to rearrange it. The people being fooled a very long time and we got to realize there's no more time wasting politics and politicians blind the people today make them lose themselves see them go astray we need more truth and right in our system more peace and love for we children more equal rights for the people Call it the human rights My people get up Let the change start by you and I Teach the youth the truth Not about funny lie lie A better man for them Is a better man for you A better man for I and I We need more truth and right in our system More peace and love for we children More equal rights for the people Call it the human 
blessings and grace, and I'm back with technology, starting off on Bloomberg.com. Double-sided solar panels are taking off in China. China is expected to jumpstart the market for panels that can absorb light on both sides, with plans to install 2.7 gigawatts this year, according to research from Bloomberg New Energy Finance. Other regions may add as much as 200 megawatts in 2018, as the global market may reach 15 gigawatts by 2020. A typical nuclear reactor has about 1 gigawatt of capacity. Standard solar panels have mostly aluminum backing. The so-called bifacial panels remove most of the aluminum from the bottom, exposing the semiconducting material so it can produce electricity from light that hits it on either side. The cost Now, this costs more to make, and until recently, the higher output hasn't been enough to attract developers. Better manufacturing techniques are making them cheaper, and early early installations show about 10% boost in output as light bounces off the ground to hit the underside of the panels. And a special tip, it helps to paint the ground white, and that lets the light bounce off it quickly and able to absorb on the underside. So now we have double-sided solar panels coming out of China. And on ArtsTechnica.com, if you're traveling this summer and going to stay at a hotel, Alexa for hotels lets guests order room service, control in-room smart devices as well. Hotel rooms will serve as the newest home for Amazon's Alexa starting this summer. Amazon announced a special version of its virtual assistant, Alexa for hospitality, that will live across Echo devices placed in hotels, vacation rentals, and other similar locations. Alexa and these devices will be able to do special things for both hospitality professionals and their customers. Amazon claims its Alexa for Hospitality experience will let hotel professionals deepen engagement through its voice controls that customers can use. Hotels can also customize the experience that they want their customers to have by choosing default music services, creating special Alexa skills that only their de- only their guests can use, and monitor device online status and other connectivity issues. Guests staying in a room with the Echo device will likely find the experience either convenient or invasive. Guests can ask Alexa to do things like order room service, answer questions about hotel services, control some in-room connected devices like lights and blinds, and more. Alexa skills will also be available, so guests can use a skill such as a flight tracker to check the status of their flight before checking out. Those who already embrace Alexa will also enjoy a feature coming soon after Alexa's for Hospitality's launch, the ability to temporarily connect your Amazon account to an in-room eco device. Doing so will allow guests to access their own content, like music and audiobooks from the hotel's Alexa-enabled device. Once a guest checks out, their account gets disconnected from the Echo device. Those who aren't as enamored with Alexa, like myself, may not be able to stay in a room with a constantly listening virtual assistant. According to a report by The Verge, Amazon programmed Alexa for hospitality with few special privacy measures. Recording of Alexa commands are deleted daily, and hotels cannot get access to guest voice recordings 
or Alexa's responses to those voice recordings. However, hotels will be able to measure engagement through analytics and adapt services based on guest feedback, which likely means that they will have access to some information regarding guest interaction with in-room Alexa devices. While those are good safeguards to have in place, there still will be guests who don't want Alexa anywhere near their hotel experience. The introduction of Alexa for hospitality comes shortly after Amazon confirmed that Alexa on an Echo device recorded a private conversation and sent it to a person in the user's contact list as a message. Device logs confirmed that the Echo in this case accidentally heard Alexa and send message within the conversation. All Echo devices have a mute button that disables the microphone and you can always unplug the in-room Echo completely. It's unclear if Alexa for hospitality devices will have another disconnect option for guests who are adamantly against having Alexa in their rooms. Ours reached out to Amazon for more details about this to see if the company has more information on just how many rooms in each partner hotel will contain enabled Alexa devices. Alexa for Hospitality rolls out this summer starting at Marriott Hotels, Westin Hotels and Resorts, St. Regis Hotels and Resorts, Aloft Hotels, and Autograph Collection Hotels. And according to Amazon reps, hotel guests can request for the Echo device to be removed from their room if they do not want to make use of Alexa during their stay. And on Wired.co.uk, this virtual reality headset runs on human eye resolution. Varho's VR headset lets you see virtual objects in as much greater detail and can be used for training, design, and entertainment. It's virtual reality, like you've never seen it before, in human eye resolution. Helsinki-based startup Varjo is building a VR headset that lets the user see virtual objects at the same level of detail as they would in real life, producing a crisp image much clearer than the pixelated view you usually get when you stick a digital display close to your face. The Varjo headset takes advantage of a natural quirk of human vision. At any one moment, our eyes see only a small area of focus at their highest resolution. If you put your arm out, it's the size of your thumbnail, says Varjo co-founder and CEO Erho Katori. As our eyes move to focus somewhere else, so does this area of high resolution. This is called fovation. And so your eyes jump left to right across. And so Farjo's device mimics this phenomenon by putting two displays inside the headset. One shows a full view of the virtual world at a standard VR resolution. The other is a micro OLED display that only covers a small fraction of the field of view but presents it in a much higher resolution. An optical combiner merges the two displays so that you see both as one image. The result is a virtual scene that appears perfectly sharp in the spot where your eyes are focused and is fuzzier around the edges. In an early prototype, the high-res area remains in a fixed spot inside the headset and moves with it when you turn your head to look at something. Next, Varjo plans to add gaze tracking so that you only need to glance somewhere inside the virtual scene to see it more clearly. Wherever you're looking with your eyes, that's where the high-resolution region is going to be. Varjo was founded in 2016 and operated in stealth mode until June 2017. The company has raised $8.2 million Series A funding 
around um, in a funding round in August 2017 and received $6.7 million from, from the Finnish government funding agency tax in November. Katori says that the high-res display could be particularly useful in training simulations. Other applications could cover architecture and engineering, industrial design, and entertainment. Varjo's initial development partners includes aerospace company Airbus, the car makers Audi, BMW, and Volkswagen, and entertainment firms Technicolor and 20th Century Fox. Partners are already starting to get their hands on a beta version of this technology, and the company plans to go into full production at the end of 2018. Katori expects a Varjo headset to have the price of around five to ten thousand dollars. The first headsets will only support virtual reality, but Varjo will soon offer an augmented reality add-on so that users can see virtual objects in the context of the real world around them. So they're making this fake world, this augmented virtual world, realer and realer so that people can feel it as they see it. And on CNBC.com, J.P. Morgan is unleashing artificial intelligence on a business that moves $5 trillion for corporations every single day. For the past six months, J.P. Morgan Chase has quietly been shuttling clients to the bank's technology lab on the west side of Manhattan for a glimpse of the, of the future of work. The, the executives, treasurers, and finance chiefs of some of the world's biggest companies were introduced to an artificial intelligent powered servant that J.P. Morgan hopes will soon be able to answer queries and anticipate their needs, and a first in the world of corporate payments. But before that could happen, the machine needed to contact with people to find out what makes humans tick. The bank is widening the trials with select clients next week and plans to release it to more companies next year. I'm continuously learning and improving, the program says shortly after deucing itself in a chat box. Watch out for new features. J.P. Morgan's latest attempt at furthering automation and finance is happening in its Treasury Service Division, a key business that helps corporate clients from Honeywell International to Facebook move money around the world. Unseen by retail consumers, the unit handles an average of $5 trillion daily. From the mundane payroll and supplier remittances to the unusual multi-billion dollar checks for huge mergers. The area, once considered boring, has gotten more attention lately. Activist investor Value at Capital Partners built a $1.2 billion stake in Citigroup this year, partly on the strength of the Bank Treasury Services Unit and other steady, hard-to-dislodge services where technology is lowering costs. The industry's revenue is expected to grow 7% a year through 2025, according to J.P. Morgan. Big lenders, including Bank of America and Wells Fargo, have already rolled out virtual assistance to millions of retail customers, but the technology is just making its way to corporate clients who present bigger challenges for artificial intelligent programmers. For instance, while checking customer typically has a handful of accounts, a company could have 10,000 accounts and dozens of currencies around the world, and each individual corporate user typically has permission to see only certain accounts. And the latest example of technology that was pioneered for retail use spreading to institutional clients earlier this year, J.P. Morgan rolled out Amazon's 
voice-activated assistant Alexa. Alexa's there again for investment banking. And so it's for investment banking clients to help them access research. Not long after the bank created mobile apps for trading businesses, clients were using them to execute large trades, including a $400 million currency wager last year. The bank, which is hoping to unseat Citigroup as a leader in wholesale payments, started its virtual assistant project late last year after clients asked for an easier way to navigate the firm's online portal. And so the AI program, which has yet to be given a name, learns from its users, seeing what questions they typically ask and patterns their actions. So it learns from the user, seeing what questions typically are asked, and then patterns their actions. It will eventually be able to make recommendations. So the pilot program launches next week. J.P. Morgan wouldn't disclose what it spent on this project, but has said that 40% of its $10.8 billion annual technology budget is devoted to new efforts, including AI, robotic process automation, and blockchain. And on popularmechanics.com, humans can now correct robots with brainwaves. Humans can now correct robots with brainwaves. Notice an error and your brain will automatically respond. Even robots make mistakes sometimes. That's why researchers from MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, CSAIL, have built a system which allows robots to be corrected through thought and hand gestures. The system monitors brain activity, determine if a person has noticed an error in the machine's work. If an error is detected, the system reverts over to human control. From that point, all it takes is a flick of the wrist to get the robot back on the right course. This work combining EEG and EMG feedback enables natural human-robot interactions for a broader set of applications that we've been able to do before only using EEG feedback. By including muscle feedback, we can use gestures to command the robot spatially with much more nuance and specificity said the C-Cell director, Daniela Russ, who supervised the work in a, in a um, press statement. EEG refers to electroencephalography, a type of biofeedback which uses real-time displays of brain activity to each self-regulation to the brain. EMG feedback refers to electromyography, which is the recording of the electrical activity of muscle tissue. Earlier brain recognition systems required people to think in highly specific ways to achieve EEG or EMG recognition. What Russ's team realized is that when the human brain recognizes an error, it automatically releases a very specific signal all on its own. These signals are called error-related potentials. When the robotic system notices an error-related potential signal in the human brain, it turns the robot over to human control. So the robot is now paying attention and monitoring the human brain and the EMG and EEG activity inside the brain as it sits next to you. Wow. What's great about this approach is that there is no need to train users to think in a prescribed way. The machine adapts to you, not the other way around, says PhD candidate Joseph Del Preto, who also worked on the project, the team used a worker bot called Baxter from Rethink Robotics for testing. 
Using the MIT biofeedback system, the robot was able to improve its accuracy from 70% to 97%. There are numerous potential uses for such a technology. It can continue on in Baxter's path and help automate factories even more with just a few supervisors overlooking errors and letting their brain chemicals act as correctives on the machines. Okay, with just a few supervisors overlooking errors and letting their brain chemicals act as correctives on the machines. The researchers also emphasized that it could be helpful for the elderly or those with limited mobility. We'd like to move away from a world where people have to adapt to the constraints of machines. Approaches like this show that it's very much possible to develop robotic systems that are more natural and intuitive extension of us. MIT C-Cell program has a focus on robots that can fit into everyday life as it currently stands. So now we have robots that are going to have human supervisors who are overlooking their errors and letting their brain chemicals act as correctives on the machines. This is, this is now. This is the future. It's now. It's here in technology. We're going to take a music moment and come back with Herbnology. Blessings and grace.
this pain I know that you're wanting It's something special, babe We did it, we got it I know it's something, babe We grab it cause it's paid self-evident 
that they never meant for us to be free. Green consumes you 
focused on the dollar and the dream until the body lets down on you. You say the cat is hard to chew, so you'd rather eat your junk food. Stagnant frequency inside the temple. Now it's affecting your mental state of mind. It happens all the time. You better eat your greens, greens, greens. Asparagus, parsley. Cucumber, carrot, and don't forget the collard greens, basil, oregano. You know I love my avocado. I'm in love with the cocoa, coconut. Daylight come, told me I go pick a bunch of green banana, boil it in a stew. So you know I gotta add some callaloo. Eat your greens. Blessings and grace, and I'm back with Herbnology. And today I'm going to focus on the uses of myrrh, myrrh oil. Both myrrh resin and myrrh oil have a long history of medicinal use and are valued for their wound healing properties. The Egyptians used myrrh to treat hay fever and to heal herpes. The essential oil is also traditionally used to enhance emotional and spiritual well-being. Maintaining healthy skin is also one of myrrh oil's renowned uses, as it helps to restore the health of skin cells to help minimize the appearance of wrinkles. It also has antibacterial properties that helps make it helpful against skin conditions like acne, eczema, and athlete's foot, to name a few. That's why it's so commonly added to many skincare products. Myrrh oil is also used for adding fragrance to perfumes and balming, flavoring food products. And myrrh oil also has valuable aromatherapy oil. And it can be used for massages, mixed in bath water, or simply applied on the skin. You can also use it as a mouthwash to help eliminate dental infections. Put it in a cold compress to help ease inflammation. Dilute it with a safe carrier oil and use it to promote the healing of wounds or ulcers. Myrrh oil benefits can be attributed to its powerful antioxidants, antifungal, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, anti-parasitic, expectorant, and anti-spasmodic properties. According to the book, The Essential Oils Complete Reference Guide, it can help with many many health conditions, such as respiratory problems. Myrrh oil works well against coughs, colds, and sore throats. It also helps relieve congestion and expels phlegm, and it helps with digestive ailments. It promotes digestive health and helps ease stomach upset, dyspepsia, diarrhea, indigestion, hemorrhoids, and flatulence, gum and mouth diseases. It helps relieve toothache, gingivitis, and mouth ulcers, it also freshens your breath. Myrrh oil is even used as a natural ingredient in mouthwashes and toothpaste and immune system health. In a 2010 study published in the Food and Chemical Toxicology Journal found that an emulsion made from myrrh can help protect against lead-induced 
hypotoxicity, oxidative stress, and immunotoxicity among animal test subjects. A study conducted by Chinese researchers published in April of 2011 in the issue of the Journal of Medicinal Plants Research also found that extracts made from myrrh resin may be effective against human gynecologic cancer cells. So the way that you can use or um, use the oil, myrrh is said to promote health of the limbic center of your brain, which plays a role in emotionally soothing you. It also is said to stimulate the endocrine glands and the chakra centers in the body. So this essential oil helps to stimulate cell tissues, support proper circulation, and restore physical energy as well. So you can use it by diffusing or inhaling it. You can add a few drops to hot water and inhale the stream. You can um, apply it topically, apply it on your skin to get the skin's rejuvenating and healing properties. Mix it with a safe carrier oil first and blend it with other essential oils. Myrrh oil blends well with frankincense, bergamot, cinnamon, rosemary, and also sweet orange oils. You can also take it internally. Myrrh oil has been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to be used as a food additive and a flavoring agent. So please take the time to research the nature of the Most High and the myrrh that is produced from His nature as a healing additive and salve to your life. In Yeshua's name, you're going to take a music moment and come back with the metaphysics of the moment. I woke up in a wilderness today, a place my mind could not remember, but my soul already knew. No longer searching for a steady breeze, there is soil on my skin and salt water in my blood. A descendant of God, I feel as if I am sunshine with a pulse. I bear my fertile flower from which humanity originates. Rivers of milk flow from me, and I watch as entire kingdoms bow. All the children are here, barefoot in the morning, and the dirt is rich with many treasures. Vamos a la playa, you are free to transcend. You are free to be creature, and you are free to bend. So I can see another while I'm banging on my bangora. Little one needs a COVID arena at the jungle. 
control I'm not dominion and control Valabamela not know I'm not them both Hard looking at the system more and more I'm not dominion and control I'm not dominion and control Valabamela not know I'm not them both Hard looking at the system more and them in a days, yeah, them in a days. How oh, them so strange when them a go change them ways, them a guess when them not guess them got them in a craze, yeah, them in a Babylon chain, yeah, in a Babylon chain. When sit then now, them go wash out them brain. Them let a go sell out for the piece of the fame. Them want to tame when no lion no fit chain. Sit them on the run, turn on them at the game. Lord, it's a poor when when them send for rain. Oh, them want to plug when them part the fish chain. The winner go follow only more say again. And the dominion and control. And the dominion. physical grave that had been dug for you, the part of you, the spark that lays buried. 
That is what's going to open you up. That's what's going to give you the ability to escape. Escape. Your metaphysical mind. Blessings and grace. And I'm back with the metaphysics of the moment. We're going to start off with the Hebrew word, Mozera. Mozera means bond, band, fetter, yoke, chain, harness, correction, chastisement, discipline, admonition, reproof, example, precept, instruction, and learning. Mozariah, a camping place of the children of Israel in the wilderness. It was there that Aaron died and was buried and his son Elazia became high priest in his stead. Deuteronomy 10.6. Now metaphysically, Mozera means the seeming trial, the chastisement, the bondage in which the Christian remains so long as he has only an intellectual comprehension of divine law. To such a one, Hebrews 12.6 reads, Whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth. Instead of whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. The latter is the correct rendering, according to the emphatic diaglot. Divine love must enter into man's idea of God and the divine law, and must fill his life, that he may find in all correction and discipline of spirit, only joy and delight, and that he may know sickness and sorrow to be the direct result of his own errors. Such unpleasant manifestations will pass away as soon as the errors that caused them are corrected. They are not chastisements sent by God, nor do they come from God, thus Aaron symbolizing the intellectual understanding and executive power of divine law must give way to a higher and more spiritual comprehension of the truth. Of the truth. The truth is that you are the captain of your own ship. Whatever happens doesn't happen by happenstance. It happens by choices that one makes that leads to those circumstances. And it all takes place in the mental realm. And the metaphysical meaning of mental, the mind assimilates what it affirms, mental assimilation. The mind assimilates, it becomes what it affirms. And the mental atmosphere surrounding or prevailing mental influence, your mental attitude, thoughts and words are creative or destructive influences in your world. And mental discipline, the practice of the daily training of the mind through denials of error, and affirmations of truth. And the mental premise, a basic mental premise, is an original proposition of truth that serves as the ground for affirmations such as all is good. All is good. So then you have to act as though all is good and you have to be proactive in setting up the situation so that all is good. And that comes through your discipline, so that all can be good. And the Hebrew word, Adbiel. Adbiel is the yearning for God, languishing for God, disciplined 
of God and a miracle of God. It's the son of Ishmael and the founder of the Arabian tribe, Genesis 25, 13. Metaphysically, Adbil means a thought that seemingly springs from the sense or flesh mind, but in reality is inspired by spirit. In reality, the thought springs from spirit. It longs for God, for something higher and better than it has hereto experienced. Yearning for God, languishing for God, this yearning will bring forth fruit in time when it has been subjected to the necessary education and training. Disciplined of, disciplined for God, disciplined of God. Though not always recognized as coming from God, this discipline is brought about by the working of divine law. It's brought about by the working of divine law, and you have to know that is so. And giant. Metaphysically, the Philistines and all the other giants of the promised land represents the untrained or undeveloped states of mind in the subconsciousness that truth is to subdue and to discipline. Truth is to subdue and discipline the untrained and undeveloped states of mind. The truth that we all come from abundance and therefore we are supposed to have abundance. So then all you have to do is figure out your path to your inherent Abundance and the meaning of dominion. Dominion is supreme authority, sovereignty. As a perfect child of God, man is born to complete dominion over all creation. Dominion is an inner consciousness obtained only through mind discipline. It only comes through mind discipline. The supreme authority comes as man realizes his oneness with the Father, and the urge to exercise dominion, the power and right of dominion and authority are innate within man, having been implanted there by divine mind at man's creation. And the Hebrew word Ziphites, they are the inhabitants of the city of Ziph, Z-I-P-H, Ziph, or the wilderness of Ziph, in which this city was located, Twice they went to Saul at Gibeah and, and, and told him where David was hiding. 1 Samuel 23.19 and 26.1 Metaphysically, the Ziphites represent the thoughts belonging to the cleansing, purifying state of mind that Ziph signifies. The cleansing and purifying states of mind that Ziph signifies the wilderness of Ziph denotes a lack of discipline, a lack of understanding and cultivation in these thoughts. Hence, in their cleansing, purifying activities, that they are liable to become destructive, in that, for the sake of establishing harmony, they would purge out even the spiritual and the good if these seem to be standing in the way of the ruling personal will. The Ziphites sought to help Saul, the ruling personal will to destroy David, divine love, working toward rulership in the consciousness. So you have that lack of discipline, lack of cultivation, and lack of understanding. 
that destabilizes harmony. Discipline and the overstanding of divine sovereignty should be allowed to rule the consciousness. And the metaphysical meaning of wandering, the wandering of the Israelites in the wilderness, the Israelites leaving Egypt, wandering through the wilderness, entering Canaan, and taking possession of the promised land are symbolical of the unfoldment and growth of the individual from material to spiritual consciousness. According to the record, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years on their way to the promised land. Although the journey might have been accomplished in 40 weeks, the reason given in Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3, and thou shalt remember all the way which Jehovah thy God had led thee these 40 years in the wilderness, that thee might humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by everything that proceedeth out of the mouth of Jehovah doth man live. When under spiritual discipline, we should accept without murmuring whatever comes to us and try to find the mental cause. We do not go direct to the promised land because we are ignorant of the law of existence. We attribute to life a physical instead of a metaphysical basis. We try to solve the problem of life in material ways instead of spiritual and thus continually fall short. We wander to and fro, searching for a way out of our difficulties, yet ignoring the only way, which is an adjustment of our thoughts to divine mind. The soul of man is a mental thing, and its growth depends on spiritual food, thoughts, and words of truth. The Lord is striving to make himself known in our confused thoughts, the wilderness experience in our mind. And when we cry out, our sense of lack. There is an invisible outpouring and temporary satisfaction. We are not always aware of the source, but we know that we have some unseen way been fed inwardly. People who have had this spiritual refreshing after a period of darkness often explain what an outpouring of the blessed spirit we have had. When we are obedient to the divine law, having cast all error out of our mind, we shall consciously have the heavenly substance all the time. But we shall not obtain this condition by murmuring against the law or by calling blindly on the Lord. We must strive patiently and earnestly to overcome our errors, our sins, our shortcomings. Then the word of God will create in us a new man. And we shall know that there are flesh, blood, and substance of an, of an abiding nature which Yeshua manifested and of which we can take and partake through him. Thus shall we enter into and begin to take possession of the promised land, which symbolizes the lifting up of both soul and body to spiritual expression and manifestation. So we have to get disciplined in order to manifest fully, fruitfully, for the love of the Most High. 
for the glorification of the Most High through us, created from divine abundance and manifestation. Metaphysically, manifestation is the materialization of a truth idea, the coming forth into visibility of that which has been affirmed, the appearance of an idea. So the idea here is to become disciplined, become a true disciple of yourself, to sovereignty, to dominion and control of self, to perpetuate excellence and thoroughness and manifest it daily. Thoroughness is a lost art. We have to reclaim it and strive toward it. And hopefully someone was inspired by this today. I'm going to take a music moment. Blessings and grace.
blessings and grace. I'd like to thank you for joining me for another offering of Woman Wednesday. I'd like to show love to the musical frequency that accompanies. That was just as Navi, Mind Elevation, Sun Ra, God Spell, Rima, Dominion and Control, Nitty Scott, La Diaspora, F Soul Greens, Melody Amore, Illusions, Sister Nancy, Bam Bam, Sudan Archives, Brooklyn Terry, Remix, Lauren Hill, Black Rage, Say Lotus, Black Belt, Black Omolo, Truth and Rights, Miss Ryan Nicole, About That Action, Mama D, Faith, Sampa the Great, Rhymes to the East, Tiffany Rosebed, Life, Urban Roots, Live Forever, Dub, Zaki Ibrahim, Grow, Earthology, The Whitefield Brothers, Sarak, Seven Circuits, John Nine, Intentions. Remember that you are water. Cry, cleanse, and flow. Remember that you are fire. Burn, tame, ignite. Remember that you are air. Be still, focus, decide. Remember that you are earth. Ground, build, and give. Blessings, grace, strength, and love to all.
Thank you.